This is the Friday, September 15, 2023 version of the market analysis segment for Market to Market. As combines rolled this week, the variability in yield has both endorsed and contradicted the USDA report. The bearish market reaction has evolved to inside range trading. For the week, the nearby wheat contract increased nine cents, while December corn lost eight cents. The soybean sell-off met resistance at the bottom of the 200-day moving average. The November contract sold off 23 cents on the week, and December meal shed 9.30 per ton. December cotton found 53 cents per hundredweight. Over in the dairy parlor, October Class 3 milk futures dropped 80 cents. The livestock market was up. October cattle improved 370. October feeders put on 533. And the October lean hog contract added $1.60. In the currency markets, the U.S. dollar index rose 26 ticks. October crude oil improved $3.71 per barrel. Comex gold increased $3 per ounce. And the Goldman Sachs Commodity Index increased nearly 15 points to settle at 620.90. Joining us now is market analyst Don Rose. Hey, Don. Thanks for having me back, Paul. Donna, this, this wheat market, we hit a bottom, maybe. We rallied, then we fizzled. Are we going back down? Well, I tell you, that was the one bright spot of the uh, whole grain market this week, wheat and soy oil. But the uh, wheat market, uh, we did have a, a report on uh, the 12th on Tuesday that was positive. Took the world ending stocks down 275 million. We tried to press lower on the uh, wheat market. Remember in June, we topped out at $8, dropped to 570 on Tuesday, had a hook reversal. You know, our stuff, we were in a uh, six week downtrend sell signal, that reversed. So that's a positive sign technically, Paul. Globally, there's weather issues developing again, but not in the United States as much as Russia, Ukraine, having drought conditions. Who knows what's going on in China? China, not a big wheat producer. But what impact is that going to have on us here in the United States? Well, I think that may have been the start of it. As you're alluding to, Canada had a dry drought situation there, big wheat producer, but Australia is in a drought. Uh, Argentina's drought's continuing. And then we have the uh, Ukrainian-Russia uh, war. It looks like Ukrainian's going on, Ukraine's going on the offense. So uncertainty with the, uh, the wheat market there. Remember, Russia's the largest wheat uh, seller and exporter in the world, and they've just been clearing wheat at any price, so we got to get them to stop. Production, here's the interesting note from the week. If we, we do end up with what is projected, it would be the first decline in global production in five years. So if I'm someone looking at pricing right now, what am I, what's a good thing I should think about? Well, I think for an end user, it's probably the best chance to be uh, uh, pricing uh, more than a uh, producer from uh, trying to look for a place to sell. It looks like, Paul, that we've hit or we're, uh, actually, it looks like we scored a seasonal bottom on wheat. I think it's just a matter of what we do to the upside. You know, after you drop, uh, what, $2.30 uh, during the summer, um, it looks like the upside, uh, the risk is to the upside, not the downside. You talked about this report. The corn market, those who, who are out combining, who've been looking at fields, are screaming, no way is this accurate. What are you saying? What did the market tell you? Well, it's 
well, what the market's telling you is it's not sure. Um, since August 15th, we haven't gone anyplace. We've been in basically a 473.5 to a 490 trading range, tight trading range. I think what we're really waiting to see is what the yield really is. Remember, we dropped the yield in the last report. Um, we're still over last year, if you can believe it. They still have Iowa at 200 bushel average yield. Our record is uh, 204. Um, you know, it looks like the yield's coming out of the field so far. This is what we're running into. Disappointing a bit in Illinois, Iowa, Minnesota, Nebraska, and probably better uh, in uh, Ohio and Indiana. But it's uh, early yet. The combines will tell. And I think the other thing we really need, Paul, is um, for the end user to step up um, and start to secure supply. Yes, that's been a discussion for people sitting in your chair the last couple of weeks. Nobody's selling anything. What are they waiting for? What should they be waiting for? Well, the producer down at this level, I mean, with the insurance where it's at, he has no advantage in selling anything. Um, you know, in fact, actually, probably buy some courage calls in case it would happen to go up and uh, cover some of the insurance to the upside. But um, there again, it looks like the corn market, Paul, that we're trying to see if we could... Uh, in the process of forming a seasonal low, we'll see about 90% of the time we scored in the last 10 years a low between the 1st of August and the middle of September. I'm guessing the early harvest is going to give us an early return of how good or not so good this crop is. Do you buy into that scenario? And if you do, what should you do? Yeah, and usually short crops get small, uh, small crops get smaller. And it looks like this yield, what we've had uh, three uh, reports in a row that the yield's gone down. So we're on a direction in the corn and soybeans on that. But, you know, from a producer standpoint at these levels, um, I think the uh, biofuel um, people are want to secure their supplies. The uh, feedlots want to so, uh, secure their supplies. Just a matter of when. What you've seen historically, Paul, is you reach this point where everybody gets nervous at one and starts to chase it. You know, <laughs> producers not selling. Yeah. All right. So in this bean market, because some of that <clears throat> same scenario, but we're still dealing tiny bit in places where this crop is still developing. Rain could fall or. Have we passed that window where weather really matters to the soybean market? Yeah, you know, usually this time of year we're worried about do we get an early frost? Well, I think that's behind us. So, um, no, I don't think rain does a whole lot from here anymore. Um, harvest next week is going to start to uh, get a little more aggressive in the week after that. But, um, you know, I think there again on beans, we're trying to see at what point do we score a, a seasonal low. You talked about this just a tiny bit in your opening comments, but this is a question that came from my friend Phil in Ontario, and he wanted to know, Don, soybean oil and meal sales have been reasonably buoyant lately, and USDA did reduce soybean yields slightly. How much hope is there for soybeans to lead grains higher, especially with the prospect of a 163 million metric Brazilian soybean crop about to be planted? Well, you know, I think he hit the nail on the head. It's uh, harvest time here, and we'll see if the end users uh, buy stuff. Brazil's in, uh, you know, they're in their springtime, so they're just planting now. Um, they're going to raise a, a 5.9 billion bushel of bean crop. We are 4.1. So I think what we're really looking at, does uh, Brazil have any issues? Um, does our crop get smaller going forward? And the government, remember, they're uh, continuing to reduce the yield, but they're reducing demand. Maybe the demand's not as bad as the government says. Where do you anticipate the demand coming from, though, if, the if it's different than what you're saying? Well, I think it's uh, mainly from the export front. Um, you know, Brazil's exporting 3.5 billion bushels of beans next year. We're supposed to be 1.8 billion. So, I mean, if we can steal just some of their business, um, 
and if they have weather problems, we could easily do that. So um, watch Brazil. They're just starting to plant. In fact, September 15th was the first time they could plant beans. I sound like a broken record when I move to the protein complex, especially live cattle. Just when you think we've hit the top, we go higher? <laughs> Triple top means nothing is what our friend Chris Robinson said today. Do you buy that? Well, you know, I think where we're really at, and we're in the classic uh, run blow-off type of market. We're um, $8 corn, we're $18 beans, we're, um, you know, 15 or uh, $10 wheat. It's a market that it's uh, over when it's over. Uh, the packer, uh, Paul, is still chasing these cattle. Um, on Friday, yet, uh, you know, across the Corn Belt, there were some cattle traded for the winter at uh, 202, 203, um, you know, big time basis over big time numbers. And we also, you know, usually think that the, the uh, commercial knows all. Usually the commercial is the last one in. So uh, it's a bull market, there's no doubt about it, but the consumer is going to decide where the top is. Is the bull still in control of the feeder market? Well, the feeder cattle market has, uh, you know, had uh, a bright spot just because the grain market's been moving lower. Um, the fat cattle in those back months have been moving higher. So if either one of those things change, there are gaps below the market, which are targets on uh, the feeder cattle, about $20, $25 uh, lower. But, um, you know, you need some kind of a chart top. It's uh, foolhardy to uh, try and pick a top because you don't know where it is. But it's a market that you would have to say it's very mature. Um, this is the kind of run that I think the uh, bulls thought could happen more so um, next April, you know, time frame. But we're dying a lot of it in already, Paul. So we're accelerated six months? I think that's the risk is that, you know, and for, you know, the cattle guys out here, when your break-evens are 196, 197, who would ever heard on new cattle coming in? Um, the risk <laughs> is if, if anything happens, you know, there's uh, big money can be lost. Well, the hog market... The losses stopped this week. Is this just temporary? Well, the hog market is, you know, the opposite phase. We're in the liquidation phase. Um, the uh, slaughter uh, or the uh, liquidation was at a 14-year high in the summer this year. So um, I think the liquidation means that in 2024 we have a better uh, chance for some better prices going forward, Paul. Let's close with crude because of its impact on a number of things. Is $100 back in the sites? Well, the good news is it's, uh, for the grain markets, petrograin. And so we have that bid underneath the market. But um, yeah, I would say, you know, it's, uh, you know, 90 to 100. It seems we're back to that sweet level again. Um, you know, that looks like uh, the target area. And if you were betting on the dollar to keep rising, would you bet that? Well, I hate to bet against the government, you know, for the, against the U.S. And um, we're the, we have a lot of debt, but we're the best of the worst. So I would bet, uh, you know, stay with the dollar. Um, but it's, it's dicey. There's a lot of people that are questionable on it. You're the best of the best, Don Rose. Good to see you. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. All right. Don Rose, everybody. Thank you. Please, Don, hold tight because we are going to pause this analysis, continue our discussion about these markets in our Market Plus segment. You can find both analysis and plus on our website of markettomarket.org. As you head to the field this fall, take us with you. We want to make sure that you are kept up to date on commodity market analysis and news around agriculture with our three podcast offerings. Two of them come out on Friday, and the third, the MTOM, is released Tuesday. Subscribe or follow where you get your podcast today. Next week, we look at the nation's first almost forgotten female veterinarian. 
Thank you so much for watching. Have a great week.